0: Do you think senators realize that Congress, you know, never intended to have government shutdowns and, and do any of them want to go back to kind of the pre, you know, Jimmy Carter era practice of keeping things going while appropriations are being debated?
1: There was a, a legal opinion that came out of the White House at one point saying during one of these times that funding had expired, could you continue to be able to pay federal workers? And so for the first time in our country's history we started having government shutdowns Uh, this is something that's short term has been there we need to be able to solve it it always ends up being a problem Uh, chuck schumer shut down the senate over immigration during the trump administration and it was within days they broke and said this is not going to solve immigration we got to find a different way to do it fiscal conservatives often try to do a shutdown to say we've got to be able to solve the fiscal issues shutdowns always cost the taxpayer more money not less and it does hurt federal families and all those contractors, and it hurts the basic operational government, and hurts us on the international stage. Americans are capable of achieving extraordinary things when they have the freedom and opportunity to do so. This is American Potential, and here's your host, Jeff Crank.
0: Well, thank you for joining us for another edition of American Potential. (sighs) Government shutdown, I can't bear it. As we head towards another possible government shutdown and our national debt has just hit $33 trillion, Congress is working on passing a series of appropriations bills to keep the government funded. Now, our guests today, along with Senator Hassan of New Hampshire, have been working on getting the Preventing Government Shutdown Act passed, which would keep Congress in session seven days a week until the appropriations bills are finished the senator sat down several years ago to have this discussion and first introduced the bill in 2019 so how did a former youth pastor and president of the biggest youth camp in the united states find his way to the united states senate taking on this issue and several others he never had the desire to hold public office but in 2008 he felt called to run for Oklahoma's 5th Congressional District. And he and his wife took seven months to pray about it because they thought they would be serving youth for the rest of their lives. When he first ran for the U.S. House, there were seven people in a Republican primary. He was one of the top two, which led to a runoff, which he won. After serving two terms in the U.S. House, he then felt led to run for the U.S. Senate, which he also won. I want to welcome United States Senator James Lankford from the great state of Oklahoma to the podcast. Senator, thanks for being with us.
1: It's really a pleasure to be able to be with you. Glad to be able to be in the dialogue. There's a lot going on right now.
0: Well, there sure is. Now, first of all, I understand you have a big picture of a tornado forming behind your desk. I want to hear about that. I know Oklahoma is known for... For tornadoes, many other great things, but also certainly for tornadoes. Tell me about that picture.
1: Technically, I have a mesocyclonic supercell right behind my (laughs) desk. It's actually not a tornado yet, but it looks like within seconds it's about to drop one. It just gives you the the image of if Okies walk into my office, they feel very at home when they look up and see a (laughs) giant photo of a cloud that looks like it's in western Oklahoma. Uh, It's also really funny that I have so many world leaders that come through my office as a U.S. senator. At the end of our meeting, almost always they will say, is that a painting or a photograph? And I'll say, no, that's a photograph. That's what they really look like. That's why we go on our back porch and look at them uh, right when they're about to drop a tornado.
0: Now, are you the only senator who actually knows what a mesocyclonic supercell is?
1: You know what? I don't know. I've never asked around, but uh, you can certainly (laughs) meet uh, most Oklahomans and they'll know. Uh, In Oklahoma, (laughs) weather is as popular as professional athletes.
0: Uh, There you go. Well, well, good. Well, first of all, thanks for your great work on uh, this trying to prevent a government shutdown. I think that, you know, this frustrates the American people. It's a real broken system. Obviously, we have the 13 appropriations bills for for many decades now. Congress just doesn't seem to get those done. And we always come down to this last uh, last little bit. And it's where some of the worst work of Congress comes into play. All these things thrown into these sort of Christmas tree bills. Talk about your Preventing Government Shutdown Act that you and Senator Hassan have been working on.
1: So it's always interesting. We get to the end of a fiscal year and there's always some of my brethren that want to say, well, let's just have the argument now about spending. And it always ends up being pickets charge every time uh, where we run in to go fight for spending. But people just jump in immediately and say we can't have a shutdown. And shutdowns do hurt us internationally. They hurt domestically. And for folks that say shutdown is only a partial shutdown of the government, the government continues to function. That all sounds nice, except if you're actually in the structure, it is really a problem. You've got people in the federal payroll that are missing paychecks uh, by the millions around the country. And if you're a federal contractor, you're literally just laid off and you're not paid at all during that time period. And that does affect things like at the border right now. The Border Patrol is very dependent on contractors where they're just being overrun by people at our border. If suddenly those contractors go away in a shutdown, it is a very real effect on our national security and on our Border Patrol because they lose it. So I did sit down years ago with Maggie Hassan and said there's been lots of proposals to try to end government shutdowns. They've never gotten bipartisan, bicameral support. We need to solve this. We need to be able to actually have the fight about debt and deficit and overspending, but not have it harm the American people while we're having the fight. The debt and deficit will harm our country long term, but we shouldn't have short term damage to our country while we're having a long term fight. So the system we set up is pretty straightforward. If you don't finish your work in class, You got to stay after class to be able to get it done. But it keeps us in continuous session. The American people are held harmless in the process. And it finally gives us a moment to actually have the argument about debt and deficit.
0: You know, I think uh, fiscal conservatives, particularly for a while, thought that pushing this to the brink and a government shutdown would somehow uh, get, get a victory for less spending. That's never happened. It seems like every time there's one of these omnibus spending bills. Every Everything that's bad is thrown into it. Uh, it's really a terrible way to do business. And it doesn't seem like, you know, those who believe in fiscal sanity ever get anything out of it. Um, it, it, it there's a better way to do it. Government shutdowns really didn't happen before like 1980. Do you think senators realize that Congress, you know, never intended to have government shutdowns? And and do any of them want to go back to kind of the pre you know, Jimmy Carter era practice of keeping things going while appropriations are being debated?
1: Well, I would say I've, I've never heard anyone say, I want to go back to the Jimmy Carter era on anything <laughs> in economics. Sure. So that that part I've never heard. But you're right. That we, we didn't have government shutdowns before that. There was a, a legal opinion that came out of the White House at one point saying during one of these times that funding had expired, could you continue to be able to pay federal workers? And a legal opinion came out of the White House saying, no, actually, that's against the law because there is no law mandating payment and the executive branches can't keep paying if Congress hasn't said yes. And so for the first time in our country's history, we started having government shutdowns starting the 1980s on. Uh, this is something that's short term has been there. We need to be able to solve it. It always ends up being a problem. Uh, Chuck Schumer shut down the Senate over immigration during the Trump administration. And it was within days they broke and said, this is not going to solve immigration. We've got to find a different way to do it. Fiscal conservatives, often try to do a shutdown to say, we've got to be able to solve the fiscal issues. It ends up breaking, it's not getting resolved. Shutdowns always cost the taxpayer more money, not less. And it does hurt federal families and all those contractors and it hurts the basic operation of government and hurts us on the international stage. So for me, it's, we need to have the fight on debt and deficit that needs to happen, but we can't have it during a shutdown time period because that's actually, the argument then is about reopening government not about how do we actually save the taxpayers more money.
0: I think Americans are understandably frustrated when they see what happens uh, in Washington and particularly when they start hearing about government shutdowns. I think most Americans think, why can they not get this resolved? It seems like every year we have a shutdown, uh, that that the tactics are to kind of bring everybody to the brink. Uh, So, you know, who is represented that frustrated American. I mean, obviously you are trying to get this piece of legislation passed. How likely is it that this will pass the United States Senate and the House?
1: Well, we have good bipartisan support for it at this point. The opposition's always been in leadership because uh, omnibus bills and all of that end end of the year spending really empowers leadership to be able to pull all of those bills into their office, write them in secret, and then to be able to push them out. So this is really a push from members to say, we came to legislate, not just to vote. Don't make us voters at the end, of the end of the year to just vote on something. We need to legislate, and we need to have the hard arguments to be able to represent our states and the American people to say that's wasteful spending, that's beneficial spending, and to actually start reducing this down back to a manageable level. Uh, that doesn't happen if we can't get some things in daylight. So the push here is let's keep the government open and operating, but let's keep the fight actually happening on debt and deficit so we can start getting management on this. Quite frankly, this is not something we're going to resolve in a year. This is going to be decades in the process. We don't have a mortgage. We have a jumbo mortgage. Uh, we have $33 trillion and it's accelerating. So, just to give you a context, I mean, m- most of the folks that are in this podcast are well tuned to all these issues. But from Andrew Jackson, who is the last president we had that had no debt at all in the country, from Andrew Jackson to Ronald Reagan, we accumulated $1 trillion in total debt. From Ronald Reagan to Joe Biden, We now have accumulated $33 trillion in total debt. Our debt is accelerating in a pace that is not manageable. And until we have hard conversations, we're not going to get back to this. And again, 25 years ago, back in the late 90s, we were talking about balanced budgets during the time of the first Bush administration and the Clinton administration. So we're not that far away from getting to that point to be able to have those hard conversations. But we've got to be able to get back to that. We can't just keep ignoring it as we have for the last 25 years.
0: And it seems like Congress continues to kind of kick the can down the road. You just talked about $33 trillion in debt. What are some of the ways, in your mind, you've been a, a good policy champion as far as Americans for Prosperity is concerned. What are some of the ways Congress can cut spending?
1: A couple of ways here. First, got to change the process. The actual budgeting process that was done in 1974 has only worked four times as written. That's not going to work. So we got to change the way we do it. To get a better product we got to get a better process first that's how we do the budgeting how the bills actually come to the floor the president's budget and how it aligns the dates this ending government shutdown all those are pieces to actually reform the process of that we get better process we'll get better product because we can actually have the debate and the argument then we've got to actually have everything on the table there's lots of folks that'll say well i want to just deal with the department of education or with the state department Well, I look at that and go, well, that's cute. Okay, if you're going to deal with cutting back the State Department, maybe we're going to cut $30 billion, but we've got $2 trillion in overspending this one year. That's not going to happen. It's not going to actually fix the problem. You've got to actually fix the problem. So you've got to be able to get to a point where members of Congress can have hard conversations away from the cameras and the microphones and actually look at real data and numbers and start working through how do you resolve things long term. That's going to be... one of those famous bicameral bipartisan commissions where we get in the smoke-filled back room and actually start to have the hard conversations. But we do have to get away from cameras and actually have leaders act like leaders in this. We've also got the two leaders of the House, two leaders of the Senate, and the White House actually agree to be able to sit down to have dialogue because if you don't get people actually talking hard to each other, again, it doesn't get better. That's what happened during the Reagan administration. That's what happened during the first Bush administration. That's what happened during the Clinton administration. This can be done. But so far, leaders haven't chosen to do that in the last 25 years, and we've lost trust that we'll ever, ever get it done. Um, But we've got to be able to work through it.
0: Senator, have you ever heard of any business or nonprofit organization that, that really just stops operating while they figure out their budgets? It just doesn't happen in the real world.
1: No, not unless they declare bankruptcy and, and then just start to go back and reconfigure their whole business operation and reopen again. But no, th- this, this is not how it works in the real world. In the real world, number one, we're the United States of America. We are setting a world example. We need to set an example for every parliament, every uh, government in the world of how to be able to do it right. Second thing is we've got to deal with fiscal realities and to say we can't afford to do everything that we're doing right now. Uh, We've accelerated the spending so quickly just in the last few years past COVID that it's lost touch. Let me give you, I I don't want to run a bunch of numbers because it's hard to run numbers when you're seeing this. But if we had this year's income, that's our revenue coming into the budget. If we had this year's revenue in 2019, that's the year before COVID, that amount of spending, we would be in balance right now. But we're not. We're $2 trillion in overspending. The, the spending went way up during COVID and has never come back down. So while we have a record amount of revenue coming into the federal treasury this year, we also have a record amount of spending that's happening that needs to stop. And so we can get back to balance on this so that we have this high revenue that's coming in right now into the treasury, but also much lower spending. Now, part of the challenge is if we just look at the last three years under the Biden administration, we've had 17% inflation. And you know, we, we we see it month to month, but just from the last three years, inflation has gone up 17%. So it has a real effect not only in the taxpayer, uh, but also just in the federal budget as well. So there are some challenges that are unique to the last three years, but we cannot keep spending the way that we are and think that this has no consequence. It does.
0: Well, and let's connect those two. You know, we talk all the time on this podcast about government-imposed barriers and removing those government-imposed barriers, the biggest of those is inflation. And of course, inflation is caused by government overspending. It's just that simple. So all of that spending that you talked about throughout COVID has really driven this inflation. Uh, the, we The inflation is caused by government. And now, obviously, if we have another government shutdown, that's going to cause even more hardship for the American people. Yeah
1: it is we're actually this is we're in a season that uh is is hard to process because we're living in the middle of it but 20 years from now economists are going to be writing about what's happening right now not just COVID in the economy but coming out of it starting in 2021 we we're really out of COVID. there was that massive spending bill that democrats put out at that time and then the inflation reduction act coming out on the backside of that as well those two things together was dramatic increase in spending from the federal budget at the same time, the Federal Reserve is trying to increase interest rates to slow the economy down. So we literally have a unique moment in American history, in economic history, that is the federal government with one hand is trying to say, go faster, spending a lot more money, and the other hand trying to be able to pull the economy back, saying we got to raise interest rates to be able to slow the economy down. Uh, so we've got our foot on the brake and the foot on the accelerator at the same time right now as the federal budget. We can't do that. And think that there's not going to be real economic consequences, and one of those right now is inflation that's becoming untenable.
0: Yeah, and the passenger in the car, the American taxpayer, is the one who really pays on both sides of that. They pay right. the higher cost because of inflation, and uh, and 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 then you know get you know just the, the the spending. It's all out of control. Are Americans just out of luck when it comes to government services and a government shutdown?
1: No there are some government services are still operable. Federal law enforcement is there. There's there's still folks that are engaged, but everything's much slower. The passport issue has been horribly slow for years now uh and during the Biden administration they've really bungled the way they try to do passports. And so that slows down even more during this time period, but there's all kinds of problems that happen as as I mentioned before on the southern border is one of the most complicated issues. They've had 9,000 people a day illegally crossing our border. Border patrol are absolutely overwhelmed. CBP at the border, uh, the ports of entry are overwhelmed. So they have contractors working alongside of them. During a government shutdown, all those contractors go away. We still have nine thousand people illegally crossing our border every day. We're still overrun by folks coming that the Biden administration is wanting to wave in. But then they have absolutely no support around them at all, and a chaotic situation will even be more dangerous and more chaotic at that point. So it's a challenge for people to get slower services, some services they won't be able to get at all, uh, but the big issues is the national security issues like what's happening at the border or won't happen at the border.
0: Yeah, it's it's uh, it it's very frightening. Senator, thank you so much for your work on this. We've got to do everything we can obviously to to solve some of these fiscal uh, crises that 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 we are seeing because of spending, but also Uh, You know, a government shutdown is not the answer. It doesn't ever win. Fiscal conservatives never seem to win on that. We end up with more uh, government spending, and that's a bad thing. So, thank you for your leadership on this. Uh, What can people do if they want to help you get this piece of legislation passed?
1: Well, they can stay in contact with their senators, especially right now, and be able to let them know hey, I support preventing government shutdowns. And uh, that bill, that's Maggie Hassan and James Lankford for that bill, Uh, we're going to move it through committee. Uh, we're going to move it to the floor. We're going to continue to be able to gain support on this and to say on the backside of this particular whole fight on budgeting, to say, how about we never do that kind of argument again? We keep the focus where the focus needs to be, not whether we have a shutdown, but how do we actually deal with our spending? That's where the focus needs to be. And for many folks, they, they, they have a shutdown only because they never seem to have a moment to be able to have that argument. Let's have the argument. But let's not do it during the shutdown. So get in contact with your Senate offices and just say, "I want to be able to support you to encourage or to encourage passage of the prevent government shutdowns bill."
0: All right, Senator James Langford, thanks for joining us, and again, thanks for all your great work on on this issue. You're a real policy champion.
1: Well, we're trying to solve the problems. We've got a lot of hard ones. We've got more difficult ones on the backside. Let's at least get this one solved and keep moving forward.
0: All right, thank you for joining us. You bet. Well, thankfully, there are people like Senator. James Lankford in the United States Senate and the U.S. House of Representatives. Again, it just doesn't seem like we ever win these fights. I know there are people who say, you know, oh, let's take it to the brink. We don't win these fights. We need to focus on the debt. We need to reform the way that Congress does their appropriations so that we aren't doing this at the last minute and having everything thrown into an omnibus spending bill. That's been hurting the United States of America and the taxpayers. What? What a sobering thought from uh, the 1800s to Ronald Reagan accumulated $1 trillion of debt. And then from Ronald Reagan to Joe Biden, $32 trillion. It's broken in Washington and we've got to fix it. And we need your help to do that. Contact your United States Senator and your U.S. member of the House of Representatives and tell them we don't need a government shutdown. What we need is a deficit reduction plan that will start to eliminate this debt and get us to a balanced budget very quickly. Listen, liberty and freedom, they're easily taken for granted. Don't take it for granted. Go out there and defend liberty and freedom. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you for listening to American Potential. You may listen to more stories from Americans working every day to expand freedom and opportunity in their communities by visiting AmericanPotential.com.